Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor Podcast. So, Trevor, looking at um, your branding um, surveys and that kind of stuff, are there countries that get it right in terms of their own branding? I'm asking because... I watch uh, Nigerian adverts, and I think mm. it's so easy to tell that this is a Nigerian advert. They're, they're talk, talking to a Nigerian audience, whether in the diaspora or uh, or, or in Nigeria. There's, there's a there's a difference to what all of us do. You go to um, South African adverts. You even have uh, American accents in, in South African adverts. <laughs> you go to Zimbabwe. Um, you know, you also have a mimicking of uh, America and a mimicking of, of, of Britain. Are there countries in Africa that are getting it right in terms of being authentic, in terms of uh, uh, owning their brands? Sure, there are a couple of countries in the yeah. continent. Uh, I think to me, which are which are very which have a very clear sense of identity and uh and uh, a couple of those to me being uh nigeria for one mm. uh, uh you know let's say that it's probably the <clears throat> proudest uh most assertive and uh and self-understanding our, our country nigeria that's why you know they can produce uh more movies than hollywood mm. and only second to nolu to mm. uh to uh to to, uh, to bollywood mm. and and if you look at those movies uh they're telling stories in ways that um that when you come to Southern Africa, we look at them, we're like, ah, stories about witchcraft. <laughs> you're like, yo, and, and you're like, when did they write this plot? <laughs> like, this thing doesn't even have a plot. But they're telling the story in a way that people can relate to. But that's. And, and Nigerian and, movies have become very popular on the Very continent. popular, because, and that's the point I was going to say, that the very people who are looking down on them and laughing at them, you'll catch us in our houses. Uh, watching them become Watching them. Because you know why? Because there's a, there are, we can relate to the mm. stories. Mm. Uh, we, it's, it's a slice of it's a slice mm. of life, and that's perhaps at an elementary level. But if you go even further up in terms of advertising and all mm. those, and you see what the work that uh, even a non-African brand like an Airtel does, or an African brand like a Glow does in telecommunications, mm. how they how they weave the African the, the Nigerian culture, how they speak, how they dress, how they walk, and uh, and how they and some and and you know in terms of how they tell the story and sell their brands. Of course, they do it in mm. a way that only a Nigerian can do it. Absolutely. Those stories are not going to win Khan Lions. No. They're not going to win DNAD in London. But one day they, they will. But I'll tell you why mm. uh, they're not going to win. They're not going to win because they're not written to try and please, please. the, West, please the, Western, uh, the Western narrative of, or, or the Western uh, formula of how a story mm. is written. They are written to please, the, uh, to please the ears of an African mm. and to sell the products. Fantastic. I think another one is, um, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is, um, is Ethiopia. Mm. Uh, uh, I and and because, Ghana to a certain extent, uh, hey? Ghana, well, you know, West Africa is, uh, is an interesting country. Because, you know, West Africa, especially Ghana and, Niger- and mm. Nigeria. Mm. Ghana, Nigeria first, I think Ghana's, uh, Ghana second. Uh, you're correct uh, uh, to a certain extent. Mm. But, but Nigeria is a flag, flag mm. carrier of the mm. continent mm. in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, identity and all mm. those. And, and Ethiopia will certainly be another one. They speak their own language. Uh, they write. Uh, they write the, uh, the, the, in, in their own in their own ways. They learn in their language, uh, whereas most of us learn in English and then have to reverse back into into our. And into, when we do, into, we still look down 
upon our we languages. Whereas they yeah. celebrate who they are. And uh, then also, but also, but also what's also interesting is uh, East Africa, Tanzania yeah. versus Kenya. Yeah. So Tanzania is amazing. You know, uh, I was quite impressed, uh, I mean, excited that when the president speaks, they speak in Kiswahili. Mm. It's not my problem that I don't speak Kiswahili. No. <laughs> I am in Tanzania. Yeah. So I must learn. Because when we go to France and uh, Macron uh, speaks in, uh, in French, we don't say, mm. we go, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we sit there with our translators trying to relate yeah. to him. So we um, do that same thing. So. We must get to who is Tere Kalafeng. Where were you born, Tere? And where did you go to school? <clears throat> so I was born uh, in Kimberley. It was Kimberley uh, where the Diamond Rush started. So, uh, so obviously, selfishly, I like to tell people, or rather pompously, I like to tell people, we created South Africa. <laughs> you know, because, because our money, our, our diamonds, are built the, the most prestigious institutions and the first foundational corporates of South Africa, the Anglo, the, the beers, mm. and all those, mm. you know. Uh, so born in Kimberley, um, the oldest of four children, but I was raised by my, by my, by my grandmother, mm. uh, passed away many, many years ago, 30 years ago, mm. and uh, 20 years ago, rather. And um, so that's where I was born. Uh, my mother's a nurse. Um, uh, you know, I was telling um, uh, my mother, uh, because I never knew my father, but we, I mean, there's four of us. I never knew my father. But you know, like a typical and a beautiful African story about our African women, our mothers and our grandparents, they never ever made you feel lacking on mm, any of those. Mm, and they never ever made you feel less uh, mm. because of those. So so that's where I was raised, in Kimberley. They, they say you can tell a person was raised by a grandmother. They are amazing people. Uh, they're loving, they're compassionate and so forth. And I can see that uh, my grandmother was a great woman. She was a, yeah. uh, you know, she walked fast. We'll go every every holidays. We get into a train to go visit my my, my mother, and she'll pack uh, dumplings and uh, a flask full of cakes <laughs> and flask full of coffee, yeah. and we braze the cold in the winter uh, in trains uh, four hours to go to see my mother, who was a nurse mm. uh, in Bloemfontein. So that's which, which schools do you go to? So I started school <clears throat> in. I stayed in one yard. Uh, St. Boniface, which is a Christian brother school uh, in, uh, in, 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 in Kimberley. And what's interesting about Christian brother school is uh, it's a Christian brother school mm. in, in the cusp of a township and, and a white suburb uh -huh. and Indian uh, trade, traders. Mm. Mm. So it's a very cosmo, interesting uh, uh, story that we live in a township. School is right here, right next door. Not as in you have to cross borders, as in Across, on, the, across road. the road is a white neighborhood, mm. and across is my black neighborhood. So you're going from uh, the half to the half knots, uh, served by Indians who ran the shops uh, in uh -huh. our areas, taught by by Irish uh, by Irish uh, uh, priests and and Christian brothers uh, brothers if you call them, uh, brothers as we call them, uh, and yeah, that's um, that's where I went. So I went and, from and, crash yeah. to primary to high school, wow. and um, I think I always like to tell my friends, some may disagree, some I'm sure, but I was top of my class as, as long as I remember. Mm. Uh, and, and in many ways it generated an, uh, uh, a, a self-belief that whatever I do, I must be top of, wow. I must be top of class wherever and in everything that I approach. Mm. And, and where, where does that belief come from? From your granny or? Um... It comes from stories. You know, Africans were storytellers. Mm. So going to school, 
you know, they'll remind you, oh, your mother was the smartest person in mm. school. She was always top of class. You're just like your mother. Oh, you know, you and know, it affirms you. And it affirms you. And, uh, and uh, so I think it comes, uh, so it's, it, and, and, also, and also our parents, our grandparents are amazing people because they always see better in us. They see greater in us. Mm. And they see us, you know, we'll sit around our Dover stove, our coal stove, and she'll regale our stories. And she'll tell us, you know, when you grow up, uh, you're going you're gonna to take me places. You're going to look after me. You know, they named me Tebe Itzile, which mm. means the shield has arrived. Mm. The one who's going to, and I was the first grandchild, which uh, my grandmother says, you know, you're the one who's going to, to uphold our, our name. Because being born out of wedlock with a mm. non-existent uh, father, father, you take the mother's name, uh, the grandparents' yes. name. So you're the one who's going to uphold, keep the name going, keep the name going or certainly, hopefully, hoist, hoist the name. And then you went to Vets, did you? So then I went to Vets, uh, but I left Vets. I dropped out of Vets um, uh, to go to the U.S. I was one of... Uh, I think 2,000 applicants and 80 only received uh, uh, scholarships. It was those days when there was a lot of opportunities for black mm. South Africans mm. as, as sort of uh, the lead up to the to the opening of South Africa. There was a lot of opportunities to go study overseas. Mm. Uh, so Inter interesting that you wa you never wanted to do marketing. You looked down upon marketing. Well, I thought, you I thought, thought <laughs> marketing was for? Well, I thought, this, I thought, I thought to, cause you know, I went to Vets to study accounting because my former head boy at school was there and he'd gone, he'd gone to do accounting. And accounting is for smart people. Uh, you know, accounting, And your former medicine, head boy is doing it, therefore you're going to do it. And I was top of class, I was yeah. head boy, I must do accounting. I mm. uh, can't be doing uh, silly things like marketing, it's not for smart people. Uh, you know, it's just, but look at you. No, but, so, <laughs> so, but you know, then I, when I arrived in the US though, when I arrived in the US and I met Asbusi uh, Sokhadebe, um, he's so rest in peace, uh, he'd been at Vets as well. I met him in a nightclub in Columbus, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in Ohio, Columbus. And he says to me, ah, Tebe, you're here. Yeah, because uh, you know, I was cause, I mean, at Vets, I was well known for some mm. silly reason. I mean, I'm not a politician and all those, but I was arrived at Vets very well affirmed, mm. knowing who I am, mm. standing my ground. Yes. Never ever, I was never part of a clique. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I went, I, I was able to weave from multiple. I tell you that others. that story f it, to me is important in terms of affirming a lot of people that are out there. You don't know who your father is mm. up to now. You're raised by a grandmother. But there's a lot of us walking around. Um, I'm doing this because I don't know who my father is. I was raised mm. by my, my, my grandfather, my grandmother, rather. My parents were, not, were never there for me. And they are broken. But here you are, uh, complete knowing who you are with, with this kind of background. Because, because, uh, because, uh, 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 because I think also it's how you look at your life and what you look at in your life. Mm. So if you focus on the negatives in your life, then they begin to, to, to define who you are. Mm. So if you look at the positives of there's food on the table, mm. there's love in the house, there's opportunities uh, to do things, uh, those things are what should matter mm. and how you should define mm. yourself. Mm. But a lot of us define ourselves around the, about what we don't have. We define ourselves about the negatives uh, that sur uh, surround us. And, and I'm not going to be presumptuous and say that everybody should be able to do that. Mm. But, but I would say that uh, me, I was raised with, uh, uh, with, with focusing on the positives around my life. And I was raised to believe that I'm, I can achieve anything I can in life. I mean, I'm the guy who starts football and 
retires at the age of 14 at the top of my capabilities. Mm. You know, so, so when, that's how I put it, because I don't say people that I couldn't play football. I just say I retired <laughs> at the top of my capabilities. Right. Or is it incapabilities? But I'd move from football. I go to do piano. Mm. I do tennis. Mm. I do sprinting. I do, uh, um, uh, I, I do chess. I do, and every time I moved, mm. I was supported. So mm. every time my, my mother would always just say, I says, ah, so we are now doing tennis. I'm like, yes. And then I give it up. So mm. what it did for me in many ways, it helped from, it helped me to find my mm. passions, my strengths, but also it opened me up because every, every one of them comes with different networks and different, uh, uh, mm. different places. It's the openness that you've shown in, yes. in going all across the continent and Correct. being open to, to, to learn. Your, your, your professional career started um, um, when you were 25. Uh, with uh, Colgate Palmolive. Um, 27, um, actually. 26, 26, really? With I started Palmolive. quite late. Mm. Because remember, I was at Vitz, and then in my third year at Vitz, I left Vitz. I see. And so I, you I arrived lost, in America. Uh, two, three and, years. and then Zbusiso, who was actually telling the story, when I arrived in there and I missed Busiso in a nightclub, he says to me, what are you coming to do here? I says, Busiso, I was in third year at Vitz, at accounting. I'm coming to finish my third year here. Then I do my fourth year. Then I go back as a CA. Mm. That's a respectable career. And he's looked at me <laughs> and he says to me, he says to me, but you don't even look like an accountant. What? He says, he says, he says just look at yourself in the mirror. He says, you should be doing things like marketing. I'm looking at you. Okay. I think you're right. You don't look like an accountant. He says, you need to be things like yeah. marketing. Mm. And he says to yourself, and you know, he says, your personality. Yeah, he says something was important. He says to me, he says to me, don't worry about what they think about you in South Africa. You are no longer in South Africa. You are in America. <laughs> and he says, nobody here knows you. So he says, Take time, don't rush. Mm. Do something that comes natural to you. I'm sure when and you look back, you don't regret that decision, isn't it? Well, well, I mean, by my fourth year, in uh, by my third year, well, I did my four-year degrees in three years. I mm. uh, started everything, uh, gave up everything I did at first and started uh, a whole new. That's why I started oh, working I see. late. That's why I started working late because I now restarted this thing yeah. uh, in uh, in a completely different way and in a liberal arts college. Uh, at Marquette in uh, in Milwaukee, and um, and my fourth year, my third year, which is fourth year for everybody else, I bumped into my professor Robinson. Uh, he was going up the stairs. It was the last semester, and I was he was going up. I was coming down, and he stopped me. He says, "Tebe," I said, "Yes, Prof." He says to me, "Oh, you're going to be an amazing marketer." I was like, "This one is probably smoking <laughs> something," and he says to me, "Anyway, I will see you on Saturday uh, at the awards." So it was the end of the mm. fourth year program three for me, uh, a thingy, and then I was named the best marketing wow. uh, um, student by the American Marketing Association chapter of of of, of Milwaukee. I was like, oh. I'm and like, you went on to shine yeah. at uh, at uh, Colgate Palmolive. So Perhaps your biggest uh, career move was uh, Nike uh, for Africa. You stayed there for a while, uh, but much more importantly, you won seventy five awards yeah. in branding and and, and and marketing. Very briefly, what were your takeaways from your time with Nike? This I know very well. When I arrived in South Africa with left Colgate in New York and kept to Colgate in South Africa, I felt like I was working for a formula. I was working for a stiff place. Mm. There's a certain way uh, people start work at certain, uh, at 4.30, everybody disappears and all those things and their expect expectations mm. of mm. this is Colgate. Mm. Then I arrived at Sun International and I absolutely hated the product. I said, I hate gambling. 
I don't understand who gambles, but I went there for the wrong reasons. I went to Sun International because it was a glamorous place. You mm. saw Custer's place, mm. the big world, the world championships, all they promote all those. Then I discovered that I absolutely hate the product. Uh, and when I didn't get a job at, 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 at SAB Miller, uh, and, and I asked them, why didn't you get a job? And it says, because you don't drink. <laughs> and I said, Oh, but then that's a very good reason you should hire me. <laughs> no, I said, it's a good reason you shouldn't hire me yeah. because I'm not going to drink mm. uh, just to get the job. Mm. I learned a few things about those jobs. Mm. I learned uh, which, which what with Nike resolved, which is you must love the product. You must know yourself. Mm. Because when I didn't get the job at Southern Sun, and I went for the for I, I went for interviews not at Sansan with a headhunter, mm. and the headhunter then came said uh, said to me, "I'm not going to recommend you to go to Southern Sun." Mm. I said, "I'm 28. Mm. I need to drive a BMW. Mm. I need to live in a in a in a beautiful house. You have just taken away my opportunities. You know the things we talked about how we define yes. ourselves." And um, he says, to, "I said, why why can't you recommend me?" Mm. He says to me. Um, because you're too entrepreneurial. Mm. He says, you are very assertive mm. and you wow. ask, and you, and you, you want to be in the driving seat. He says, you are better in an environment where you are getting things done and you are leading. So when I arrived at Nike, it was a, um, it was a 26 million run company. It was only in the country for, for six months or so. Uh, it was, uh, 25% owned by, by, by Nike International mm. and 75% by Standard Bank and Ndabanzele, and, yes. so uh, and they were the, the B, uh, not the, I can't remember the B part, I was just called, because they were the owners mm. uh, of the bigger part of, uh, of the place. So I went into a place which didn't have a formula in the country. So you could be creative. I, I, it, I, it's a place that allowed me yeah. to be myself. Mm. And I learned that uh, as, uh, and for me, for any career, for anything that we do in life, you must go to a place which unleashes your energies, which makes you excited, where you wake up every morning and say, I'm going to make a difference. Because when I arrived at Nike, I then gave up all my other interests and, um, and ambitions. Because mm. you know, when you're young and 28, 29, you start saying to yourself, oh, I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to do all those things. When I arrived there, I said, here is a place where, or the clean canvas, mm. where I can recreate and redefine what it means here. Mm. I had lots of running battles with the Nike International. And they always used to say when they see me in London, uh, see me in Amsterdam, they see me in, 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 uh, in Portland, they said to me, how do you do it? Mm. How, do you, how do you win so consistently, yet you are not following the Nike formula? You are only following wow. the Nike values and the positioning, but you're doing things differently. I said, because I'm not sheep, a sheep. Mm. Mm. I said, because I didn't get hired to just fulfill a role. Mm. I got hired to create success. So I think what worked at Nike for me was that it's a place that matched me mm. where I was mm. and what I was capable of. Fascinating. And then you've gone on and uh, established established uh, Brand Africa. Um, and Brand Leadership. Brand so, leadership. so first I started with Brand Leadership. Yeah. Uh, brand Leadership as my consulting firm and, and, and through Brand Leadership. Uh, and when you started Brand Leadership, it was the first indigenous uh, African-owned branding agency. Because all the branding agencies uh, were mm. not indige indigenous mm. Africans. Uh, and all of them were part-owned by international companies. And we were just us. No clue about, about consulting. Zero clue about, uh, 
zero relationships, zero uh, uh, grandfathers, zero money. Uh, so we, we defined ourselves. And then it also it also part of what helped the later journey in the in brand Africa. Mm. Because what then, what through brand leadership, I then started saying to myself, a friend of mine, Karen Duchenne, uh, uh, whom I've, I've known uh, now for 35 years. And she said to me, uh, she said to me at once, uh, once uh, at brandship, early in my brandship career, and said to me, don't chase doing work with the cokes and the, all those things. She says, because those are institutional brands. They do things a certain way. You have to follow into, says you are not going to make a difference. You may make money, but mm. you may not make a difference. Mm. And, and I knew what she meant. Because when I went to um, an interview with Coke, just after I left, just before I left Nike, and the chairman of, and everybody else thought, this is the guy. The guys in London, in Atlanta, everybody thought, this is the guy. Uh, and I had coffee at the last meeting with the chairman of Coke, Doug Jackson. And we're sitting like we're sitting like this. You know, it was that culture meeting mm. where you sit and you meet with, mm. with, with, uh, with mm. somebody to try and understand. And he says, to him, and we talked about Coke. And you know, he said to me, and Coke at that stage was in trouble. Certainly, in, in a lot of the world, it had lost its uh, uh its its uh, its genesis. Quite say, what makes you know mm. that thing that makes Coke Coke? And Coke, everywhere asking themselves questions. How do we redefine Coke? Mm. Uh, and I remember Doug, I think, said to me, oh, what are you going to do when you come here to Coke? I think I, I, I said to, to Doug, oh, Doug, I think when we come here, we're going to rethink everything. <laughs> I, said, I, said, well, I said, the things you make doing are just wow. not working. Yeah. It's going to start... Uh, we're gonna start on a clean slate. You frightened the man. Um, so, <laughs> so guess what happened? So I didn't get the job, and then they didn't get the job, and then uh, the headhunter out in London called me, and they said, they said uh, the feedback from the chairman was, he's a maverick. Mm. He's going to come here and change things. <laughs> Coke has been around since 1886. We want people who come. <laughs> To just do things, <laughs> and that's and, not terrible. And then happy jingle, my friend, yes, who was the agency, yes. he had head boys, and uh, he was a, he was a, one of the owners of head boys, and he was a um, the agency for Coke. I remember one. Uh, I just left uh, the meeting, some other meeting, and he says to me, Tim, I heard uh, people saying that you're going to come to Coke, but I hear uh, that." Perhaps, maybe not. He says, let me just tell you, mm. you are going to last three months. <laughs> you're not going to do that. So, so brand leadership in many ways, uh, then I uh, came to brand leadership. Um, and then I did have another chance. Because uh, those early days when you're starting on your entrepreneurial journey, uh, you get a lot of uh, yeah. tests. I remember I had a um, uh, Lungindlov uh, from Vodacom, just the chief human, human, human capital, called me and says to me, we love you here. We want to want to talk to you. Uh, you know, so I came to see her. I remember I was wearing jeans because I'd stopped wearing suits at that stage now. And then to me, you know, you can make lots of money at Vodacom. It's a big company. Just, I mean, starting salary. We're getting like a two million. This is like 25 years ago, 20, mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Says, you wouldn't be sitting yeah. with me here. You imagine. <laughs> and says to me, says to me, Tabby, you'll be getting like two million rent a year. It's a really big brand. It's mm. like a defining, uh, it's a step up from your Nike days and, and all those. And I went back home um, and then I was staying on the porch uh, of the office, rather, uh, my office where I was renting. And then I looked and I called uh, Lungi a, a few days later. Or she called me, she says, you haven't given us feedback whether you're keen to come yeah. 
have a conversation further with us. So I said to Lungi, I said, uh, oh, Lungi, I won't be coming to, mm. to, uh, to Vodacom. I said, uh, you see, Lungi, I think right now I'm, I'm making about 10,000 rand a month. I think it's a lot more than 2 million because I'm now <laughs> if, in charge. Yeah, you're free. I'm free yeah. and I'm in charge of what I do. But then I then learned through friendship as well later that when Karen then said to me, Tebe, start focusing on transformational brands, on brands which change countries, which will change the country, the narrative about the country. Mm. It, began the, it began that part of the transformation yeah. of who I am as a person, asking myself, even in work, what type of work, what type of clients uh, should be working with, mm. what type of brands, mm. which then led later after doing brand leadership for 10 years, I then start saying that I went to the AU uh, 50th anniversary, I think it was 2013, and uh, that's when I affirmed the foundations of, of Brand Africa, which had started really in 2010 when the world was coming to South Africa. But then 2013, when the AU was celebrating 50 years, and they were asking for another 50 years mm. to try and fulfill the goals which were set 50 years earlier. <laughs> I said, we are in trouble in this continent yeah. because now we've just given ourselves another 50 years mm. and we've got, we've rewritten the same things which Kwame Nkrumah and Haile Selassie had uh, committed to doing in a simple eight-point plan, 10-point uh, plan in 1963. Now we're asking for 2063 to create the Africa we want. We know the Africa we want. So I then said, let me take brand Africa. Uh, as my next chapter, mm. in addition to what I do in consulting brand leadership. And let me do a non-profit uh, initiative in which I've really poured lots of money into mm. it uh, and brought all these partners and said, let me see if we can lead, uh, if, we can, if we can lead the renaissance from a branding perspective. Mm. I said, see, if we create our own brands, if we champion our own brands, it means we are championing our independence. Mm. Because when we create those brands, we are able to, to inspire Africans right. to consume, to create and to consume made in Africa and to find our ultimate independence. <laughs>
that I'm not passionate mm. about. I don't do things that I don't understand. Mm. I only do things. So because true wealth is not measured in, uh, in rents and silver. Yeah. True wealth is measured for me in happiness mm. and, and the so that book is interesting about that but and th but there's a book from 1926 mm. remember well i've, I've, I've read <laughs> it and i'm rereading it it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. uh so so philip was uh instrumental in in that and i didn't know why he gave it to me but then yeah. he said i must read that mm. uh and then but but much later uh, probably 90s 96 94 um i watched the movie actually before i read the book mm -hmm. which is tuesdays with maury mm. And to, you know, it was a relationship between um, uh, Mitch Albom, uh, Mitch Albom and, uh, and his professor who was now dying. Right. Uh, and, uh, and he writes about these 14 weeks uh, that he visited him, the 14 weeks before he died, every, every week, every Tuesday, and met with him. And, you know, and uh, when he sums it... What, and, what is the book called? Um, Tuesdays with Maury. Tuesdays with Maury. Yeah, Tuesdays okay. with Maury. Mm. And, I mean, perhaps one could... Uh, 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 pull uh, three things out of it mm. because how rich it, um, how uh, uh, Mitch explains uh, that uh, first for an accomplished professor which Maury used to be mm. uh, but is now old and living alone and all those um, and he says he realized how much he craves for for human contact mm. uh, how you know um, when he says help me here it's more about uh, how we need mm. how we all need somebody or we need or rather we need people in our lives we need we need family. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, it's, uh, it, uh, it's an important thing. But also, Maury um, um, uh, taught him as well about uh, about forgiveness. Right. Uh, you know, because um, Mitch then writes uh, in the book that you know, and he tells a story later that you know, at that stage, I did not have a good relationship with my brother. All those, I didn't realize that I needed to uh, find for uh, to 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 get for, uh, to to forgive him. And then, of course, uh, I think the, the the final part of that uh, it's about fulfillment. Mm -hmm. uh, so. The common theme, uh, the common thing for theme for me around uh, when when I when I look at things is is, is how those books uh, uh, fulfill me. Mm. Uh, but uh, but I guess for as an Africanist, as a Pan Africanist, um, uh, there's multiple. I mean, we don't write much about our leaders, mm. uh, but Kwame Nkrumah at least there was a there was an autobiography about him, which I gave mine to to KK, then I had to go buy another one again next time I went there. Right. Because uh, quite interesting, I mean, he was, a, he says, oh, can I give me this one? So, and um, and um, and uh, the, the beauty about the story of Kwame and, the, and, and when you go through uh, that is, uh, to me, it's, um, it's the, um, the humanity or the frailty of humans. So, mm. uh, and the fact that we are not all perfect. Uh, I mean, um, here's a man who fought for the ultimate good for the continent. Mm. I was a defining mm. visionary. Look of, how it of, all ended. Of, of, of Pan-Africanism. Mm. Uh, but there's a man who became a dictator yeah. himself, yeah. right? And a man then who was then, um, uh, who, who was um, um, dethroned while he was mm. out on, 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 on holiday. But I think uh, if there's something I do appreciate about that book, I appreciate about about Kwame certainly uh, is a clear vision for the continent, mm. uh, but also that we are citizens of Africa. Because while he was a president yeah. of Ghana, and a president of Guinea, mm. uh, so so and 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 when I look at how my travels are and how I define myself, I always tell people I said, "Listen, I've got a South African passport, mm. but I'm not a South African. I'm an African. I'm an African, mm. and I am home wherever I lay my head wow. in the continent, and." People like Kwame.
make you believe in that. It's, it, because, can, it can happen. Be, because because uh, you remember uh, when he and many others were fighting for Africa, says the continent will not be free unless mm. every single yeah, one of us, uh, none of us, and none of us will be free if mm. all of us are not free. Oh, Terry. Very important books, those. I've not read the, the Nkwame Krumah one, so I'll make a point of yeah. getting. You are a treasure to the continent. Uh, you are an asset to the continent. I think uh, you, you said when we started that this is a, a thought-provoking. You, you've put out a, a number of issues that we ought to engage with as Africans. Uh, and um, are we watching the journey of uh, Brand Africa uh, as you conscientize us about the importance of loving ourselves and looking inward rather than outward? So, Teva, thank you so much for finding the time to be thank here. Uh, allow me to tend to our viewers who are all over the world uh, who follow this show on a weekly basis. Remember, we are a weekly show. We come out on YouTube 7 a.m. Central African time every Monday. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations, I invite you to click on this red button and subscribe. When you subscribe, you'll get an alert every time we have one of these quality conversations, like the one I've had with my dear brother, uh, Tebe, here. We've gone a step further, by the way. We've created podcasts uh, on all podcast platforms. Um, you can scroll down this video and you'll find a link that will take you to our podcast for your listening pleasure. We read all your comments. Uh, we invite you to watch and share and uh, give us suggestions as to who you want to see on the show. Um, thank you for watching. Until next time, cheers to you all.